The following podcast contains adult themes and is suitable for mature audiences only. Hello and welcome to Lyrics of Their Life, the podcast that talks about the extraordinary lives lived by those that wrote or performed the songs we know and love. I'm your host Adam Hampton and in today's episode we'll be exploring the life and music so far of rising alternative punk and genre-fusing musician Youngblood. Youngblood is quickly forging a name for himself in the music industry through his high-energy performances, his real-life straight-to-the-point and outspokenly honest songwriting ability, and his infectious and charismatic personality. Youngblood isn't afraid to test the boundaries of society's norms or stereotypes with his gender-bending fashion sense, and he looks to break down those walls for future generations to come, inspiring his listeners to be themselves, no matter how outrageous it may seem to others. Through Youngblood's protest-style music, he is telling the story of the everyday battlers and the younger generations looking towards a better, more inclusive future for all. Youngblood has even received praise from the likes of Elton John and Dave Grohl, and he has been touted by the Foo Fighters frontman to bring punk rock music back from the dead. With raps from music legends such as these, there is no doubt Youngblood has a bright future ahead of him. But what made Youngblood the performer he is today, and what exactly is his story? This is the story of Youngblood. This is Lyrics of Their Life. Youngblood was born Dominic Richard Harrison on the 5th of August 1997 in Doncaster, South Yorkshire in the north of England. His parents are Samantha and Justin Harrison. He has two younger sisters named Jemima and Isabella, and his grandfather Rick Harrison was once a short-term member of 70s British glam rock band T-Rex. Rick was the bass and piano player who played alongside legendary lead singer Mark Bolan at least once or twice before being replaced. Dominic, or Dom, stated that when he was born, he was destined to be a musician and really had no other choice as he was quoted as saying, There's literally a picture of me with a microphone and a Beatles ukulele across my knee in my car seat on the way home from the hospital, so I kinda didn't have a choice. Dom's father Justin owned his own guitar shop called Music Ground, running it alongside Dom's grandfather Rick Harrison, located at 27 Denmark Street, West End, London. So Dom was exposed to music all throughout his life, and would spend a lot of time here helping out with the family business. With music running through his blood, Dom grew up listening to a range of musicians and bands that he felt spoke to him in a way that no one else could understand him. These bands and musicians included Oasis, Queen, David Bowie, The Clash, The Beatles, Madonna, The Beastie Boys, The Sex Pistols, Blondie, The Rolling Stones, Nirvana, The Cure, and Soundgarden. He also found his own taste in music later on in life, with bands and musicians such as Marilyn Manson, My Chemical Romance, Eminem, The Arctic Monkeys, N.W.A., Good Charlotte, Blink-182, 
Amy Winehouse, Lady Gaga, The Streets, Kanye West, and much later in his career, he would get into Post Malone, Travis Scott, Lord, The 1975, and Billie Eilish. While Dom's biggest inspirations in regards to fashion, musical taste, stage presence, and teaching him that it's okay to just be himself, included the likes of Marilyn Manson, David Bowie, Eminem, Freddie Mercury, Iggy Pop, Alex Turner of the Arctic Monkeys, Lady Gaga, and most of all, Oasis. The song Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division would be the very song that inspired him to get into music. Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis and David Bowie's track Heroes would remain his favourite songs growing up, while What's the Story Morning Glory by Oasis was his favourite album with the song bearing the same title, being one of his first favourite tracks, and says that it reminds him of his father. Dom and his family members believe that by age two, he was picking up the guitar and playing it. Dom's beloved grandmother, Mary, who was single at the time, even told him that Rod Stewart was his grandpa, as she loved Rod so much and had his records and pictures up everywhere. Dom recalls this time when he said, quote, This five-year-old me, this gobby little ADHD-ridden nutcase running around ASDA, the UK equivalent of Walmart, and I pick up this picture of Rod Stewart. Me nan's paying at the till and I go, Nan, this is your husband. She was so embarrassed. As a kid, Dom attended the Leeds Music Festival and he dreamed one day of performing there as an adult. As early as age seven, Dom remembers his grandfather Rick playing him the Beatles album Revolver over and over. And the opening track Taxman, which was also a highly influential track later on in regards to his own views about music and politics. At an early age, Dominic was diagnosed with ADHD and overhyperactive disorder and was placed on Ritalin to suppress his behaviour. The Ritalin, however, would change Dom's mood and personality significantly to the point of depression, and he wasn't the same energetic and bubbly boy his parents once knew, so his mother had him taken off the drug. Many side effects also arose from taking the medication, including insomnia, which he still deals with to this day. Dom would learn to embrace his quirky, energetic personality and said, they tried to put me on pills for it. But dude, to be completely straight, I love having ADHD. I love being a million miles an hour. I love using it in my art. I'm proud to have a mental illness. I'm proud to be who I am. Dom was quite a naughty and disruptive student that often acted out. In one particular class, Dom was dared by his classmates to flash his bottom or moon the teacher. And as he was easily influenced and would do almost anything for a laugh, he flashed his bottom at the maths teacher and was suspended from school for a short period of time. Despite loving music, Dom didn't get along with his music teacher either, and recalls, quote, I never really got on with teachers. I remember my music teacher in school hated me because she put on Mozart, and I said, I wouldn't have written it like that. Along with Dom's struggles with ADHD, he would also suffer with severe asthma attacks growing up, and still requires an inhaler to this very day, especially before performing. At age 11, Dominic began getting right into the music of Queen and David Bowie, and his mother found him once pretending to be Freddie Mercury, and noticed he had a talent for singing and potentially as a performer or entertainer. With this in mind, she decided to start looking into some performing art type schools, and found the perfect one. The first song Dominic ever wrote was a song called Lizzie, about a girl from school. He said, It was shite. I played it for me mum, and she was like, Ah, uh, it's alright. 
Expecting his mother to be more delighted with what he had produced, he decided to keep on writing songs anyway and prove her wrong that he could write even better songs. Dom would get guitar lessons for a brief period but found it hard listening to a teacher and being told what to do, which he admittedly struggled with. Plus he didn't enjoy the outdated style of music he was being told to practice and mainly just wanted to play Oasis tunes. Dom primarily taught himself how to play and would go to work with his dad every Saturday at his father's guitar shop where he would write songs and play guitar in the upstairs storeroom where one of his jobs included bringing down the guitar cases when someone bought a guitar. Dom would be inspired by all the aspiring 18 year old musicians who would walk into the shop buying guitars and sporting lip piercings and looking like a rock star, with Dom thinking he wanted to be just like them. By age 12, Dom had started his very own band and would play in the Doncaster area. Some of his other interests at this time included barracking for the local football club Doncaster Rovers FC. By the age of 13, Dom and his mates would hang around outside bottle shops asking adults if they could buy them some cider. And despite his mates doing some drugs, he managed to stay clear of them for some time as he always felt high through his ADHD anyway. During 2012, a massive scandal hit Dominic and the Harrison family when it was discovered that Dom's father Justin and his grandfather Rick were charged with fraud for selling stolen guitars and accessories. The two of them owned a number of music shops across Britain, including their main shop in London called Music Ground, and were caught stealing 157 guitars worth up to $1 million from an Italian collector named Pierre Palo Adar back in 2006. This was after they were taken from his guitar museum in Verona, Italy. The collection included a wide selection of top-line guitars, including Stratocasters, Telecasters, Gibsons and Rickenbackers and were taken by Serbian burglars, who then sold them to Justin, despite Justin claiming that he bought them through a legal source, and that he had the receipts to prove it. After seeing Music Ground in London selling the same guitars, Mr. Adar contacted authorities. Dom's father over the years had built a solid reputation, selling guitars since 1974, and boasted of acquiring some of the rarest and finest guitars around the world for his shop. Over the years, they had the likes of Noel Gallagher, Brian Adams, Stone Roses, Blur, Bon Jovi, Leo Fender, The Cranberries, and the Rolling Stones purchasing both new, collectors, and used guitars from their store over the years. The Daily Mail UK reported that, quote, At Leeds Crown Court, Rick Harrison admitted to one charge of handling stolen goods relating to 10 guitars worth £42,000. He was given a 12-month sentence, suspended for 18 months, and ordered to complete 200 hours of unpaid work on Fridays. Justin Harrison admitted to two charges of handling stolen goods, relating to two guitars worth £4,500. He was given a 6-month sentence, suspended for 18 months, 200 hours of unpaid work, and told to pay £2,500 in court costs. The judge said, quote, it is a sad day for both of you because you had a very good reputation. With all of the drama surrounding his father and grandfather hanging over the family, Dom decided to stay focused on his own ambitions to make it in his own way and break away from his family's mistakes by starting his very own five-piece band at the age of 15 with his schoolmates Paul Hines, Jamie Knight, Tom Rice and Joe Taylor and they called themselves The Absolute. 
Together with his bandmates, they would take to the streets and busk. They recorded a demo CD that included three tracks, including a solid track called Malibu Coke. And eventually in 2013, they uploaded a music video of them performing a track called Where I'm Going, after they recorded the track at Lodge Acoustic Studios. The song spoke of their hopes of one day making it as a band, but unfortunately, they would disband when Dominic had to move away. Tired of life in Doncaster, Dom dreamed of moving to London to find his own groove and told The Guardian, quote, My parents used to fight a lot, and it was dark. They'd fight and then be friends an hour later. So my idea of love was so skewed. It was like, if I don't belong in this real world, I'm going to build a world to belong in. Because I found Gaga, I found Marilyn Manson, I found Oasis. That's all I wanted. I wanted a culture to belong in. I would watch Vivian Westwood, and I would watch the Sex Pistols, and I would watch fucking Kate Moss, and I would be like, I need to go to London. I needed to get out. In 2013, when Dominic turned 16, he moved to Chiswick, London, to attend Arts Educational Schools London in order to foster his talents and passion for music and performance. It would be here where he improved his skills on a range of instruments including the drums, guitar, bass, tambourine and piano, while also focusing on his vocal technique, all of which he had previously self-taught or taken lessons for. Dom revealed when speaking to Travis Mills on his ADHD program that he stayed with his friend James and an older lady named Marge who owned a bunch of cats in an apartment, but the two didn't get along the best so Dom would be out most of the time. To earn a bit of extra cash, he worked at a pub or bar collecting glasses and cleaning tables. Marge would often call Dom's mum, worried that he had been out for sometimes four to six days and had not returned, but Dom was actually out discovering his sexuality and self. He kept playing guitar and writing songs, but Marge would hinder his creative process when asking him to tone it down regularly. Dom's parents helped him in the beginning by paying £75 a week in rent, but Dom had to make up the rest of the cash. Despite this, Marge would cook lasagna every night for Dom, and despite growing tired of the same old meal every night, he was grateful for her hospitality. He spent most of his money on alcohol, drugs, and partying, as he began experimenting with the party lifestyle, to find out who he was as a young man. Dom lived extremely dangerous at this time, experimenting with a range of drugs, including marijuana, to party drugs. He stated in another interview, Me and my best mate James lived in this cheap place with a house mum called Marge, 75 pounds a week in Osterley. I thought, that's manageable. I was spending all my money on beer and whatever, and James was the straightest person you've ever met. It was like Lucifer and Jesus. Marge would call my mum and be like, he's been out for four days now. My attitude was, I'm in London at this school where I can be expressive. I'm going to find myself. I'm going to drink whatever I want. Fuck who I want. Experiment with drugs and gender. Every single piece of brain. I was going to figure it all out. But no, it was the same set of rules. Probably worse. Eventually Dom moved out to get his own space and couch surfed for a while with mates. He backpacked and stayed with his girlfriend and floated around. He became good friends with another aspiring musician who has now also made it, named Louis Capaldi. Known for his hits Before You Go and Someone You Loved, where the two would party and drink together, with Youngblood stating, every week me and Lewis would be like, did you get signed yet? No. You? No. Every week just getting into all sorts of trouble. While parts of the art school were enjoyable, 
Dom struggled significantly to keep up with the study and experienced severe depression while he was there. He told Alt Press, quote, I suffered from anxiety and depression for the first time, and I was so alone. Everyone around me did so much fucking better than me at art school, because they stuck to the rules. The teachers loved them, but they never liked me. That was when I first had thoughts about suicide. I'd wake up early with a knot in my stomach, and I didn't understand why. One minute everything would feel amazing, and the next I'd be second-guessing everything in my head. Going to London was a big coming-of-age thing for me. It was the first time I couldn't turn to my parents. I began to question my sexuality, and I tried drugs for the first time. I bottled things up until I got to a really dark place, but then I started writing music again, and that was the moment when Youngblood truly began. While in London, Dom experienced some terribly dark times, and would later reveal that he tried to take his own life twice, but thankfully survived. While at this school, Dom also learned how to act, and would soon find himself playing in some minor roles on TV, in plays, and theatre, and even tried his hand at drawing and dancing. Through this school, Dom joined the National Youth Music Theatre Program in Manchester, and performed in their production of West Side Story as the character Riff. Dom honed his songwriting skills while in London, and would often write songs while travelling around London, on the Tube, or Underground Railway System. Dom began to write poetry before picking up the guitar and turning his poetry into music. He would stylize his sound around My Chemical Romance and blend this with rap and hip-hop, creating a fresh sound. Dominic's relationship with his parents was a rocky one, especially with his father at times being unsupportive, saying, You'll fail if you try your hand at the music industry, but despite this, he has a tremendous amount of respect for both his mother and father, who he loves dearly. When speaking with The Guardian, he said, His parents used to fight all the time, which made it hard growing up. And also, quote, I had a lot of friends, but in a room full of people, I would feel totally alone. I had my first suicidal thoughts at age 13. My mum used to dye my hair when I was five, and my dad was a guitar dealer, so he'd seen it all. With his mates, they would sneak into clubs with fake IDs, and he began to explore his own sense of fashion when his mother told him to wear whatever he likes and be expressive. Dom had always felt an urge to wear eyeliner, dresses, and paint his nails, as he grew up with two sisters, and it just felt natural. But not until he attended school in London did he begin to dress like this regularly and took a leap of faith to just be himself. Being from Doncaster in the north of England, the stereotype was to be a cocky masculine male figure and seeing boys dressed up in female clothing was not a regular occurrence. Dom had always felt misunderstood, but wearing clothes and makeup usually associated with the opposite sex made him feel empowered, free, and most of all, like himself. As he was quoted as saying, I always wanted to paint my nails or dye my hair or wear a skirt. I was like, fuck this, I'm gonna do something that empowers people to feel like they can be themselves and look like whatever they wanna look like and love whoever they want to love, and identify however they want to identify, without fucking judgement. Since as early as he can remember, Dominic suffered from anxiety and depression, which was worsened through bullying by other peers, which drove him to even go as far as having suicidal thoughts. Dominic often felt insecure about the way he looked, and about himself as a person, and often struggled to accept who he really was. He would often be called all derogatory names under the sun, and was talked down to by teachers who said things like, you're not a girl are you, or that he is a spawn of the devil. 
Dom was even thrown into a locker by his peers for wearing eyeliner and said, quote, I remember one incident early in my life when I went to school with painted nails in primary school and I got the piss taken out of me really badly and it made me feel really insignificant and scared. Dominic described his schooling relationship with his peers as they either liked me or they really hated me. Just to tell himself he was worth it and okay, just the way he was, Dominic would study videos and interviews of his favourite musicians with Freddie Mercury, David Bowie, Mick Jagger, Kurt Cobain and Richard Smith, who all made him feel like he could be anyone he wanted to be and loved how when they spoke, they were just themselves and weren't trying to be something they weren't. He said, I thought if they can do it, then so can I, and that really inspired me. Kurt Cobain, who often wore floral dresses on stage to rile up the homophobes, was a big inspiration to Youngblood. Dom also said that he used to hate his ADHD as people didn't like his energetic behaviour and outspokenness. But after finding music and later a fan base that loves his quirks, he now loves it as he was always buzzing and up no matter how down he got through depression or anxiety, as it allowed him to pull through a lot better than most would, making it almost his superpower. Dominic's mother was very supportive, however, and encouraged him to continue being himself, no matter what. As early as age 9 or 10 years of age, she would even help him straighten his hair for school discos and help him paint his nails black. He would put on lipstick, dye his hair, wear skinny jeans and band t-shirts such as Nirvana, shocking his teachers and peers. His mother would remain one of his biggest supporters throughout his life and career. During his experimental days with fashion, Dom started wearing pink socks all the time, which would become a staple of his on-stage attire in the years to come. Dominic would leave the art school before graduating, stating to Red Bull, it wasn't right for me. It was a kind of place where they would tell me what to do and how to express myself, and I didn't agree with that. In 2014, at the age of 17, Dom continued to perform his originals live around Doncaster and London, in bars and venues as a solo performer, with his two mates as band members, where he called the project Harrison. Dominic soon found a manager to handle his career, where he recorded a track called Miss Those Days, as an unusually calm and collected Dominic sings about missing a former lover, but it wasn't the type of music or persona he wanted to portray, as he appeared far too bland and was missing the eyeliner and nail polish that made him feel himself. But his manager feared his original material was far too left, controversial and political for radio and that people weren't ready to hear it. So he told him to tone it down and found himself playing pop songs of both covers and originals that he felt was cheap pop rubbish with no substance. Dom said, Six months later, I'm floating in my eyelashes with an acoustic guitar, singing vapid pop songs that means nothing. The final straw was when someone asked me to go on The Voice. Despite feeling uncomfortable with his current manager, Dom began impressing locals with his on-stage talent, high-energy performances, and ability as a young songwriter performing mostly originals. Dominic would often woo the female members of the audience with his original songwriting ability and would often perform a tribute song for his girlfriend that would attend his shows in support of his aspirations. That same year in August, he continued to perform as part of the National Youth Music Theatre in their production of The Hired Man. Speaking with Alt Press, he said, I was playing an acoustic night, singing some fucking shit poppy love song I'd reluctantly written, but I was rocking out and jumping on the speakers. My now manager knew it didn't make sense, 
They came over after I played and asked what I had grown up listening to and I was like The Clash, MCR, Eminem, Busta Rhymes and they said, well those artists and what you're playing now don't add up. After that I went off the radar, didn't shower for weeks, probably smoked all the weed in London and had a period of self-discovery. In 2015, at the age of 18, Dom starred in the British soap opera TV show called Emmerdale where he played the character of Matt for one episode. The following year in 2016, six episodes aired of the British Disney Channel's musical TV show called The Lodge, starring Dominic playing the role of Oz. The show of course was quite lame, but Dom's cheeky and charismatic personality at times shone through, especially when he was able to perform and show off his voice, punk roots and stage persona that outshone the rest of the pop-centric cast. Dom even performed in a live show for The Lodge and appeared in a number of skits for the Disney Channel in a short show called The Squeeze. That same year, Dom performed in his third National Youth Theatre show in a production of Bugsy Malone. At this stage, Dom was excelling at acting, theatre and as a musician, but overall he felt his music was his one true calling and where his feelings, thoughts and emotions could be best heard and embraced by others. At this time, he quit Disney and the National Youth Theatre to solely focus on music. With Dom feeling smothered by his manager's demands, he decided to fire him and described the next month as a transitional period that saw the birth of Youngblood. While living in his dark West London apartment, just like superheroes in the movies or on TV, he sat down and began sketching and designed his costume, image and morals as a stage persona was born. Dominic said, I designed my stage outfits, the pink socks, what my community was going to be about, the fact that I'm never going to conform again to be something that someone else wants me to be. I figured out I wanted to wear pink socks, spikes and stripes. I decided what I wanted my band to be and what I wanted my songs to sound like. Dom then found himself new managers named Thomas Arnby and Declan Merrill that accepted Dom's views and image and encouraged him to share them with the world. And they were perfect for bringing Dominic out of his dark rut. Youngblood told Alt Press, quote, It was very much a representation of how out of the darkness there will come light. I was at the darkest place I'd ever been and someone handed me a lifeline. For anyone in the same position, I'd say this. All you've got to do is grab that lifeline because it'll pull you out of the rut. If you're depressed, there will be a rope hanging in front of your face somewhere. Don't fucking hang yourself with it. Grab it and climb it. After these events, Dominic gave up the drugs completely and got his life back on track, realising that his ADHD was a high in itself and that drugs didn't mix well with ADHD anyway. Now Dominic just needed a name to go with his persona. As Dominic was the youngest person on his manager's roster, his manager would often walk into the room calling Dominic the young blood. Dominic told Radio X that, quote, I thought Dominic Harrison was a bit too polite for the music I was making. So then I was like, what can I call myself? My manager walks in the room and says, all right, young blood. And I'm like, bing, light bulbs. I looked at young blood spelt normally and thought it still looked too polite. I crossed the O's out, double the U, double the flavor. In 2016, at the age of 19, Dominic, who was now going by the name Youngblood and through the help of his new managers and increased popularity at his gigs, signed a record deal with Locomotion Recordings, who operated through Geffen Records and Interscope Records. Geffen and Interscope Records already had Manson and Eminem on their books at some stage, so different wasn't an issue for them. 
In early 2017, Youngblood met Scottish-born guitarist Adam Warrington and Scottish drummer Michael Rennie in London at a club called Phil Taggart's Slacker Night, with the three of them hitting it off instantly over similar life experiences. They went out together for burgers and drinks, and two weeks later, moved into an apartment together, becoming Youngblood's live touring and recording bandmates. Youngblood with Adam and Michael hit the recording studio to work on his upcoming debut single. On the 7th of April 2017, Youngblood released his debut single titled King Charles. The track was written as a protest song about the government in the UK taking away the rights of its working class citizens and the youth as they hike up taxes for the working class and housing prices and student loans for the young as he compares what the government and the rich corporations have been doing to the likes of the tyrant King Charles, which included a price hike in taxes without the consent of Parliament. The track includes an upbeat, fast-paced beat that helped it become quite popular live and became a fan favourite as Youngblood's audience continued to grow. Despite not charting, it was a great first single from Youngblood, displaying his passion for political matters and social issues and his energetic northerner accent that emanates through to his vocal style and the track drew similarities to the likes of Blur. On the 19th of January 2018, Youngblood's career began to take off with the release of his debut EP including five tracks that he had been performing live around England. Youngblood spoke of themes of protest, love, justice and equality, as well as both his own and others' experiences. Included on the EP was the incredibly catchy track I Love Ya, Will You Marry Me, which Youngblood actually wrote in his dad's guitar shop storage room. The bopping high-energy Britpop meets punk rock track took off worldwide, making it onto radio in countries like Australia, Belgium and even the US. It made it to number 26 on the US alternative charts and was a smash hit on Spotify. The song was a huge hit when played live for his fans and later at festivals with the iconic line reading Park Hill Romance being repeated back to him by audience members. Youngblood wrote the track about a true romantic tragedy that occurred in Sheffield around 30 minutes from his hometown of Doncaster in 2001 where a man named Jason proposed to a girl named Claire Middleton by spray painting a phrase that read, I love you, will you marry me, on a sky bridge at Park Hill Housing Estate in Sheffield. But unfortunately, the story goes that Jason was rejected by Claire. The graffiti became famous in the area and was later used for marketing purposes by developers who planned to bring the area back to life and regenerate it, while also celebrities and tourists posed for photos with the graffiti phrase. The sad but true end to the story includes Claire passing away after losing her battle with cancer and by the time the track was released, Jason had become homeless. Youngblood wanted to explore how sad it was that both Claire and Jason met doomed fates while others exploited and profited off of their romance, twisting the story to line their own pockets. The next track on the EP was titled Tin Pan Boy and details Youngblood's time spent on Denmark Street at his father's guitar shop with the street also being known as Tin Pan Alley. Denmark Street, aka Tin Pan Alley, was once known for being a metalwork industry street, but soon became known as Tin Pan Alley similar to the one in New York, as it became famous for housing many music publishing offices and music shops. In the song, Youngblood claims that he was basically raised in Tin Pan Alley, as he was always there with his father at his shop. But the song actually goes much deeper than that, and he's a place that Youngblood feels passionate about preserving, stating, I spent most of my childhood on Denmark Street, Soho, London, 
it's where I first picked up a guitar. At the moment there is a massive redevelopment going on, which will eventually force a lot of independent businesses out of the area. I have a real connection to all of the music and art stores, and to see people trying to tear out its soul makes me super upset and really pissed off. Fuck that. Tin Pan Alley is where the foundations of British rock and roll and the pop music that we know today were built. Everyone from Jagger to Lennon to the Sex Pistols used to hang out there. To sit back and watch the transformation happen without saying something is not an idea that I'm into. The music video for the track became quite popular and featured himself with his bandmates singing on the rooftop of his father's multi-story guitar store in Tin Pan Alley, which was actually illegal to be doing at the time. Youngblood was also seen in front of his father's old shop in the clip, which they shot with no budget whatsoever, as they had no money. With his bandmates, they took the instruments onto the roof and began acting cocky for the clip, swaggering around on the roof and shouting things out before the police showed up, telling them to get down as the roof was unstable. Despite the police's orders, they quietly finished the video as Youngblood would softly sing into the microphone, all while trying to emphasise a high-energy performance. When talking about the creation of the video, Youngblood said, This was my opportunity to create a visualisation of the shit I saw in my head when I wrote the song. I wanted to show the high energy, angry yet slightly schizophrenic side to my personality. It's the first time I've directed anything and I had such an insane time. It was amazing to watch a mental idea I had come to life. Next up on the EP was the incredible and eye-opening track called Polygraph Eyes. In this song, Youngblood displays his maturity and intelligence as a songwriter well above his age. He attempts to start a much needed discussion about toxic masculinity, the lad culture, and takes a refreshing stance against men taking advantage of women, especially in relation to clubs and bars, where men harass women, get them drunk, act charming despite having one thing on their mind, and then take them back to their place for a one-night stand, paying no respect or regard to the woman's feelings when they wake up the next morning, full of regret wondering what actually happened and the consequences that follow, such as already having a partner and the lies that follow. As Youngblood tells the story extremely well in this song and sings, she leaves her parents' house around midnight, meets her best mate at the shop, buy some cheap wine and go to space, see the Milky Way, get away from the teenage everyday cliche pressure. Absent on absinthe, dancing to bad simps, Saturday night ain't about romancing anymore, just you getting lit in the queue to the dance floor. Too many blokes are getting heavy when a girl looks unsteady, blisters on your bleeding soles, here have my boots, I'll walk you home. He walks her straight up to the front door as she stumbles on the floor. We all know what happens next. A bit of fun turns to regret. In the chorus, Youngblood then sings, Leave it alone, mate. She doesn't want to go home with you. Youngblood then continues in the second verse by describing the morning after by singing, Daylight wakes her up the next morning, a foreign room where the sheets are blue and not white. No scented candles in sight. Just a stranger on his side says, Cheers love for last night. Got to go forensic, avoid the domestic, get antiseptic and give him the polygraph eyes. Turn your head to the side and lie to the real life. See this girl? She had a boyfriend. His name was Zach and he made her happy. But he couldn't understand in his mind. She was a slag. When she tried to explain what happened, she was shouting at him for an hour, crying at the top of her lungs. Don't leave me here. You're the one I love. 
Youngblood's ability to detail the story of what many women experience, and his ability to bring attention to a very common problem in society from the male perspective, is incredibly refreshing and admirable. His ability to capture these moments, spread awareness, and turn it into a catchy pop song is highly underrated, and is a recipe for success in the future, as he grows as an artist and becomes more experienced. When speaking about the background of the song, Youngblood stated, quote, I used to go out in the north at 14 with a fake ID and see these drunk girls stumbling out of nightclubs with boys that weren't nearly as drunk as they were. I didn't realise that it was wrong until I'd grown up, until I moved down to London and saw the world from a real perspective. In another interview he stated, quote, It needs to be spoken about from a male perspective, to dilute and smash the shit out of this lad mentality that's been so vastly accepted. The song title Polygraph Eyes refers to the polygraph lie detector test. While the song managed to chart in the top 40 in Belgium and was a hit on Belgium and Australian radio, making the Triple J Hottest 100 at number 99 later in 2019. The final track from the EP was titled Anarchist and detailed Youngblood's experiences growing up with ADHD and the negative effect his medication known as Ritalin had on him and how he felt like he was always told and treated like he was different to others and struggling to fit into a world that is cruel being subjected to judgement and bullying for his condition and feeling like an anarchist who is just out to cause trouble all the time but it was just the behavioural issues stemming from his ADHD instead. Youngblood described the track on Genius by saying, quote, Pressures of society and conforming to being normal are thrust upon you really young, and I felt trapped. Ritalin made me a zombie. It turned my world upside down. After Youngblood's first EP was released, he toured around the UK and Europe and was having the time of his life. His energy was captivating as he would crowd surf, dance and thrash about on stage. He even broke bones along the way by jumping or backflipping off of props or balconies. Everywhere he went the shows got bigger and bigger and more passionate from the fans, where they would cheer, sing along to the songs and scream his name. Little did he know that his debut album, that he had also been working on at this time, would be much bigger. While on tour, Youngblood debuted a new attire wearing a black Victoria's Secret nightdress underneath a black mesh dress, combined with striped sleeves, pink socks, 60s style creeper shoes, and his gold chains including a special necklace given to him by his late grandmother to keep him safe. And according to Youngblood, the necklace had even saw action in World War II when it was worn by his grandfather. When speaking to GQ magazine, he said, quote, I just feel like I look good in a dress on stage and it makes me feel sexy. Just because I'm a man biologically doesn't mean I can't wear a dress. And I hate the way we've put boundaries on ourselves. It's like women wear dress because this insinuates body. That means women can make baby. It's like fuck that man, that is so medieval. Just wear a dress if you want. Wear whatever you like. Rock and roll. Due to Youngblood's outrageous fashion and views, he is regularly questioned on his sexuality and even receiving death threats at one stage by a Russian man over this. But when speaking to Attitude magazine, he opened up and claimed that for many years he didn't know how to identify his sexuality and decided that only through experience would he learn the truth. He now identifies as gender and sexually fluid, meaning he has no fixed gender, and identifies as polyamorous, which means he doesn't mind being in a relationship with more than one person. Adding on top of this, Youngblood also identifies as a pansexual, which means he doesn't discriminate if his partner be straight, bisexual, gay or trans. 
To him it doesn't really matter, as he feels he is attracted to everyone. Youngblood says he has experimented with all types of people ranging in sexuality, despite mainly dating women. In an interview, he revealed, quote, I am more straight, but if I walk down the street and met a fucking bloke tomorrow, or a trans person, you never know. It's about connection. I'm very fluid about it. On March 24, 2018, Youngblood took part in the March for Our Lives rally that was led by students in Washington as a demonstration against gun violence after the Missouri Stoneman Douglas High School shooting. During May of 2018, Youngblood announced that his track Tin Pan Boy and a new track with artist Charlotte Lawrence titled Falling Skies would both feature on the soundtrack for the Netflix TV show 13 Reasons Why in Season 2. On the 6th of July 2018, Youngblood released his debut album titled 21st Century Liability. The album managed to reach 59 in Belgium and charted within the top 100 in Australia. The album explored the themes of troubled youth, depression, suicide, anxiety, his battle with ADHD, and political and social matters that he cared passionately about. The tracks on the album give a great insight into the mind and experiences of Youngblood's mental health issues and his hatred for the drug Ritalin in relation to ADHD. Speaking to Rolling Stone magazine, Youngblood said about the album, quote, It was just a call out. It was just, hello, I'm here. Is anybody out there feeling a little bit like me? The album cover art shows Youngblood in a white room, restricted by a straitjacket as a result of his ADHD and mental health issues, with the album unfolding as a story beginning with the opening track, titled Eulogy, where Youngblood is believed to be knocked off by politicians for speaking his mind too often. The story to the album takes place at his funeral. The second track, titled Die For The Hype, opens with the line, Where the fuck am I? Tell me did I just die? Youngblood wanted to write a song where he could see himself dead, and explores the pressure on young people to conform to social norms in order to be heard or accepted, and how people kill themselves inside through conformity in order to stay relevant and keep the hype alive. Youngblood told Genius, People are made to feel so desperate for validation, they're almost willing to dig their own graves for something or someone that is actually irreverent to their own happiness and chasing something that can actually be out to harm them. This also includes individuals sleeping their way to the top, which is highlighted in the line, Polly, I just want to suck on your lolly. The third track on the album is titled Doctor Doctor, where Youngblood pleads for the doctor to perform a lobotomy on him, but instead of curing his sanity, he wants him to take out the sane part of his brain and leave him with the part that makes him insane. This perhaps is a reference to Youngblood's experience with ADHD and the medication Ritalin used to suppress his condition. Instead of making him better, it made him feel like a zombie, and someone his mother didn't recognise anymore. When he was taken off Ritalin, he returned to his energetic self, and he learned to embrace his quirks and accept his ADHD, and that it was a unique part of him that he didn't want to fix. When speaking to Genius about the song, Youngblood said that the song is also about, quote, I'm so tired of waking up and seeing all the hate and destruction in the world, but what is most crazy to me is that the majority of society doesn't want it. I would rather be numb to the world they are creating whilst destroying it at the same time because I don't want to be a part of it. You'll have to sedate me to keep me quiet because when I believe something is wrong, I have to speak about it. It's just the way my brain works. Youngblood repeatedly sings, I just want to be stupid, which also appears to be a reference to embracing his ADHD, but he also told Genius, quote, If the people who are supposed to be in charge are deemed smart, then I want to be stupid. 
Youngblood continues to open up about his experiences with Ritalin and having ADHD in the track medication, but it predominantly refers to his struggles with anxiety and being forced to take antidepressants and anxiety medications. Hating the way the pills made him feel and seeing those he looked up to being alcoholics, taking prescription meds or taking illicit drugs, Youngblood decided there is a huge problem in society regarding peer pressure and the effect it has on young people to follow their role models and that we currently live in a heavily medicated society and that we need to break the cycle. When breaking down the track, Youngblood told Genius that, to me it was people in positions of power that misunderstood me. I think people are scared of confrontation, especially from someone younger than them. I learned to embrace who I am. I want to be fearless and say what I think, and I'm going to be loud about it. Everyone around me seems to be medicated, even the people I look up to the most. I just love the image of my dad feeding my mum drugs. Society makes us feel that taking drugs is the right thing to do to cover up your abnormal issues and obtain a chemical happiness. I'm told that taking these pills are going to make me better, but I feel totally upside down, not myself, and I can't do anything about it. The more I'm out of control, the more anxious I become, so I do self-destructive things to make myself feel better. He said in another interview, If something terrible happens, I can just pick up my phone right away to numb the pain. But then because of that, we end up resorting to drugs to try to feel something, or to escape the craziness of everything going on in the world. Medication is a comment on how confusing all that is, especially for young people. Next up on the album is the track Machine Gun, Fuck the NRA. Youngblood wrote the song about his disbelief of American gun laws and how buying an assault rifle is as easy as buying a beer or shopping at Walmart, where they sell usual everyday items. When Youngblood himself was in America, he tested this out and bought a Beretta assault rifle and couldn't believe how easy it was to purchase one. In the song, he also makes reference to when a shooting occurs, the government always looks at mental health for being the reason there is so many in the country, and not because of the lack of laws surrounding who can own them, and how easy it is to access them. Youngblood said, quote, I'm not even American, but for the sake of humanity, something has got to change. People are going to say, oh god, this song is really uncomfortable, and good, because you know what, it is uncomfortable. Being 16 years old and someone walking into your school with a fucking shotgun or assault rifle. I want people to be at my show to bounce around, but also because we all see a better future. Speaking with Genius, Youngblood stated, I'm underage in America and on paper it's harder for me to get a beer than a weapon. To me that's insane. They are so quick to blame mental health because it's the easy thing to do. No one sane or insane should be allowed to purchase an assault rifle. The NRA are literally funding weaponry, allowing it to be placed into hands of young people and providing an outlet to deal with anger, often resulting in killing their friends, innocent people, and making themselves famous in the crossfire. The sixth track on the album is titled Psychotic Kids and is sung from Youngblood's perspective and addresses Youngblood's visions for the future, free from judgement, racism, and suffering. As Youngblood sings, I see pictures in my head, a world where the suffering's dead, and they can't fight or unjustly arrest anybody for the colour of their body. Youngblood then continues with the lines, Psychotic kids, they don't know what they want. Psychotic kids, we've got to keep control of them. This refers to the older generation, and how they perceive the young as ridiculous, stupid, or psychotic, because they don't share the same views as the younger, more open-minded generations. Youngblood was quoted as saying, 
I'm sick of being patronised, believed to not know what is best for me, and the older generation saying he's just a kid, he doesn't know what he wants or what he is doing in life. The track also explores the way the older generation treat mental illness as a shameful thing that is supposed to be either ignored or simply put that you must be a psycho. In the music video for the track, Youngblood is seen with his brain being exposed and operated on. The clip was actually filmed inside a real former insane asylum, which Dom believes was very creepy and had a strange feel to it. He even wore a real straitjacket that had been left behind at the facility. The 21st Century Liability album also includes I Love You Will You Marry Me, Polygraph Eyes and Anarchist from his debut EP. Youngblood continues on with his darkest track on the album, titled Kill Somebody, which explores his deepest, darkest thoughts, experiences with depression and anxiety, being suicidal, and how others often struggle to understand the extent of these thoughts. Talking with Genius, Youngblood states about the song that, This is me looking in a mirror, talking to darker elements of myself that I hate. This is about the people who don't understand. They believe you are being dramatic, or assume it's just an emotional phase you are going through. A metaphor, something not of the real world. You can't blame them. How could they possibly understand? One of the most catchiest songs on the album that has become quite a huge hit with fans is called California, where Youngblood once again explores his ADHD, being placed on Ritalin and being misunderstood by the older generation who underestimate him and think he can be put into a box to conform to their demands. When speaking to Genius about the lyrics and song title, he said, California was the place where I signed to my record label. This was the first moment in my life people wanted to invest in me for being myself. It always seemed like people older than me, in positions of power, wanted to dilute me, and I swore to myself I would never be like them. Hence, if I do become them, blow my brains out. One of the most confronting parts of the song sees Youngblood pleading for his voice to be heard, but to no avail, as those older than him, including doctors and his parents, believe they know what's best for him, as the lyrics read, Why can't you see that I am okay? You take more drugs than me, chewing your cheek. I can't believe you put me in a straitjacket. They tried to put me on Ritalin, visions of calming me down. They tried to put me on Ritalin, hoping I don't make a sound. The track 21st Century Liability closes out the album speaking of similar themes, such as being young and misunderstood, losing his first girlfriend who he deeply loved at age 17, and coming of age when he moved to the city of London at age 16, which was a massive eye-opener in terms of his social, sexual and political views. When speaking about why he got into music, he said, I just got into this because I wanted to belong somewhere. I just wanted to walk out my front door and know that someone had me back. During August 2018, Youngblood released an unplugged version of the Youngblood EP and returned to the studio that same year to record another EP titled The Underrated Youth. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi everyone, and sorry to interrupt. I hope you're enjoying this episode, but I just wanted to take this opportunity to tell you four ways on how you can support the podcast and play your part in keeping it going, so I can continue to bring you more great episodes. If you enjoy Lyrics of Their Life podcast, first of all it would be greatly appreciated if you could subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. It's totally free to do, it just means that you will receive a notification when a new episode of the podcast becomes available. Secondly, you can leave the podcast a positive 5 star review on iTunes as this helps the podcast reach a larger audience. 
Third of all, you can tell your friends all about the podcast or join us on our social media pages at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. While finally, you can take your support one step further and head to our Patreon page and pledge your support to one of two of our plans for just $1 or $5 per month with no locking contract. Or you can pledge just a one-off payment for all the hard work that goes into creating the podcast. And you will receive a number of extra benefits to go with your donation. Or you can even buy me a beer for $5 at buymeacoffee.com forward slash lyrics of life pod. I am a totally independent podcast creator, meaning there are no large networks or businesses financially supporting my work. So your support would be greatly appreciated as it means I can continue creating more content such as biographies, the weekly muse, interviews and more as it takes a lot of time, resources and research to prepare and upload just one single episode. Links to Patreon and Buy Me A Coffee can be found in the show notes on our website at lyricsoftheirlife.com or on our Facebook page. Once again, I appreciate every one of my listeners for their support, no matter the form it comes in. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the episode. With Youngblood's album doing the rounds, he took on yet another tour, this time travelling around Europe, the UK and the US. On October 13th, 2018, at a show in Houston in the US, Youngblood broke his ankle during the show, and despite being in pain, he continued on pushing through the pain with the help of adrenaline. After the show, despite having a broken ankle, he even did a meet and greet with his fans before going to the ER to get it seen by the doctor. Youngblood ended up performing a number of shows in a wheelchair and was determined not to cancel any shows. On that very same tour, he also fell off stage, breaking his leg this time around. Like Lady Gaga with her little monsters, while on tour, Youngblood began building his own fan base that became known as the Black Hearts Club. Straight after getting two tattoos of Black Hearts on his hands in Australia, hundreds of his fans followed suit, which eventually turned into 80,000 people with Black Heart tattoos, and he realised over time that Youngblood wasn't just about him anymore, but was 50% the community build around it, including his band, fans, and the safe place his music has created that allows his fans who are described as misfits or social outcasts like himself to feel safe and heard. Youngblood is incredibly grateful for his fans and continues to be. On numerous occasions, he looks out for his fans during performances, breaking up fights mid-show, kicking out those that cause hate and not love, and checking on the well-being of his fans. While he was on this tour, Youngblood began a relationship with fellow musician Halsey, who hailed from New Jersey in the US. Halsey, like Youngblood, also had a rough start to life and identified as bisexual. The two first met up for small talk and drinks at a bar in LA when Youngblood toured the area and the two instantly hit it off, beginning a romantic relationship and that same month they were in the recording studio together putting together a track called 11 Minutes and bringing in childhood favourite of Youngblood's Blink-182 drummer Travis Barker. On the 17th of January 2019, Youngblood released a great standalone single titled Loner. Loner charted well in Belgium and was set to a Britpop Oasis style melody as Youngblood sings about the importance of remembering where he came from and not getting carried away with his new lifestyle and the importance of preserving his friendships and relationships from before his success. As he said to NME, quote, 
I created this track because it's a reflection of where I'm from and who I am. I wanted to invite my fans and people who might not know me yet into my front room and to have a cup of tea with them. I wanted to show them what Dom looks like going to get a glass of water at 2am. At the end of the day, I needed to tell myself no matter what happens or how far this goes that I am just a 21 year old kid from the north of England who has been put in this position by his fans. I was listening to so much 90s Britpop when I wrote it and typical me, I wanted to add that into the mix of my sound but in a modern way with a fresh perspective. On the 14th of February 2019, 11 Minutes with Halsey and Travis Barker was released and became Youngblood's biggest hit to date. The track reached number one on the US bubbling under chart and number five on their rock chart. Around the world it became a huge radio hit receiving mass airplay and reached number two in Belgium, six in New Zealand and 23 in Australia. When speaking with Genius, Youngblood described what the song was about and that it was based off of a true story that goes a lot deeper than a simple love song by saying, it is a perfect modern tragedy where two young people were perfect for each other but separated because they believe they had to fit in with the boundaries of modern ideologies, where society envisages love as secondary to money, success and power. However, after years apart they realise they cannot live without each other and decide to meet. The girl sends him a message letting him know that she is 11 minutes away, yet on the way to meet him she gets into a car accident. The song resembles the five stages of grief where after losing someone, those 11 minutes will forever repeat in the back of his subconscious for the rest of his life. You never realise how important something is to you until it has been taken away. Youngblood's ability to tell a well-rounded and tragic story through observing others is an incredible skill and his ability to write these songs at just the age of 21 at this stage is quite impressive and underrated. Unfortunately, Youngblood and Halsey's relationship came to an end during September 2019, with Youngblood stating that he was heartbroken and that he learned a lot from Halsey about self-acceptance, finding himself sexually, and as a person. Halsey would move on by dating American Horror Story actor Evan Peters, and when speaking about their relationship, Youngblood said, She taught me so much, even about my sexuality, the conversations we would have at night, she has such knowledge because she's been openly bisexual for years. It's so funny when you're dating someone, yet you owe them a lot towards your sexuality. Even though she is not a man, she made me go, oh my god, I probably like Em into that. I met someone and she changed my whole perception of what love could be. It didn't work out in the end because we're better as friends and I think that's what it was. We're kind of very the same, so that was weird for us. Halsey would go on to release a song called Finally Beautiful Stranger for her album Manic, stating that it was the first time she had ever written a love song. She said that she wrote it at 2am on her guitar, while still with Youngblood, and her friend told her it was the best song she had ever written. Halsey was quoted as saying, I was dating Dom, I was really happy with my life. I was thinking about the night that he and I met, because I had told the story so many times. And every time I told it, it got better and better and better, and more romantic, and it wasn't raining, but like in the story, the streets are shining wet, and I was like, I need to tell this romantic story. And I'd never written a love song before, not without a punchline. It's just a nice song. It's about feeling safe, and like you can trust love. While they didn't work out in the end, Halsey felt loved, and could trust Youngblood for perhaps the first time in a relationship, due to some bad experiences in the past. The two would remain on good terms and very close after their relationship, despite the split. 
They also both claim that it didn't end sour, it just wasn't right anymore, with both their busy schedules, and they decided to just be friends. During March 2019, Youngblood released a live album titled Youngblood, Live in Atlanta. On the 7th of June 2019, Youngblood teamed with Travis Barker for a second time and American singer-songwriter Machine Gun Kelly for their track called I Think I'm Okay. The song delves into both Youngblood and Kelly's mistakes and struggles with mental health, relationships and substance abuse and managed to turn the track into a hit when it charted at number 3 on the US Alternative Charts, 4 on the US Bubbling Under Chart and receiving mass airplay on radio around the world and even managed to sell over 1 million copies of the single worldwide. Machine Gun Kelly and Youngblood would quickly hit it off bonding over their mutual love of music such as Oasis, their life experiences and sense of humour and became great friends through their collaboration. When Youngblood first met Machine Gun Kelly, they were booked to record together but hadn't properly met. Kelly said, He walked into my house without even knocking on the door and all of my thugged out homies were sitting in the living room like, who is this kooky British guy that just walked into our house? Youngblood said, I just walked into your living room and was like, hello lads, do you know where the machine gun is? After they got introduced, Kelly played Youngblood the chords on guitar and Youngblood jumped into the studio where they laid down the track that very same day. The pair have since become inseparable, collaborating a number of times and going on drinking sessions together where on one particular night, Youngblood managed to break his hand while doing karaoke. During August 2019, a track called Die A Little by Youngblood was released through the TV Netflix drama 13 Reasons Why for their third season's soundtrack, where Youngblood explored his own experiences with anxiety and depression, similar to the themes of the TV show. As Youngblood explains, this song is kind of a Nine Inch Nails inspired, a bit Marilyn Manson-esque. This song is about the dark part of your mind, the dark parts of your way of thinking that everyone has, that everyone doesn't understand why they have it. It's the knot in your stomach that you wake up and the sun's shining and you don't know why it's there. But when you figure out that it's there, and when you figure out there's other people that feel the same way with you, you learn to control it and you learn to be alright and accept it. Youngblood also performed that month at the Reading and Leeds Music Festivals, ticking off a huge dream he had since he was a child by getting the opportunity to perform live there on the main stage, and he rocked the crowd performing some tracks new and old. Youngblood even had the chance to meet Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, who spoke fondly of him. While speaking to BBC Radio 1, Youngblood stated that the most calm he ever is, and when he displays hardly any sign of ADHD, is before a show, despite feeling overwhelmingly nervous. He says, I love that because it means I'm still here, that I'm still feeling it. For Youngblood, being live on stage is the best part of his job, as he gets to be as close to his fans as possible, often rushing into the crowd and crowd surfing. He believes artists shouldn't be put up on a pedestal and should respect their fans because without them, they wouldn't be where they are. On the 18th of October 2019, the EP, The Underrated Youth, was released to the public, which saw it become quite popular, reaching number 6 in the UK, 17 in Australia, and 31 on the US rock chart. Included on the EP was the song Brain Dead, that explores similar themes as Doctor Doctor, followed by one of his best songs to date titled Parents, which according to Youngblood adopts a carnival type sound to give a spooky effect. The drums are simply drumsticks being hit on guitars, 
and the bass is an acoustic guitar being played down an octave as he wanted to confuse the listener that it didn't sound right and gave the listener an idea of what goes on in his mind and what life is like living with ADHD. While the track appears to denote the role of parents with the line, because parents aren't always right, Youngblood tells Genius, this song is a tribute to individualism. This ain't me telling your parents to fuck off. It's about the restraints that are put on you from maybe your parents, maybe your teachers, maybe your cousin, maybe your mates, maybe whatever, and you being the only person in the world that knows what's best for you. One line in particular was quite confronting in the song, but speaks of the pressure to conform to your parents' ways and perhaps is an over-dramatised example of how Youngblood's father and other fathers feel over sexuality as Youngblood sings, My daddy put a gun to my head, said if you kiss a boy, I'm gonna shoot you dead. So I tied him up with gaffer tape and I locked him in the shed. Then I went out to the garden and I fucked my best friend. Youngblood suggests in the song that a new movement is on the horizon of kids doing what's best for them and not conforming to old outdated parental ideologies. In the track Original Me, Youngblood brought in Imagine Dragons frontman Dan Reynolds for a hard-hitting track that managed to reach number 7 on the US rock chart, 20 on New Zealand's mainstream chart and 20 on the US alternative chart. Once again, Youngblood explores the themes of the importance of being yourself, and the song is quite self-deprecating, as the pair point out their own flaws and lack of self-esteem. As Youngblood says, This song is about accepting the parts of yourself that you hate, and realising your biggest superpower is to be originally, authentically, yourself. Youngblood and Dan Reynolds went on to win an NME award for the music video, where the pair are seen crawling from the rubble of falling and crushed cars. The video was filmed in a Las Vegas junkyard, as Youngblood said, quote, This video is mental, because we got crushed by cars, which signify if you're fucking getting crushed in life, you get back up. The pair got along great, and it was the first time they had ever worked together. When Dan first made contact with Youngblood, Youngblood hung up the phone, thinking it was a prank call, but then Dan redialed him and sent him a rough demo of what he wanted to work on with Youngblood. After five hours of back and forth, the song was written and recorded. The next track on the EP titled Casual Sabotage was first heard live in Belgium in 2018 and eventually fell off the set list before re-emerging on the underrated youth EP. Youngblood describes it as his lullaby as he explores the themes of his mental health, growing up feeling like he had no voice but had a lot to say, and feeling like he needed to break down the barriers and express himself, perhaps referring to the time he moved to London. With the lyrics reading, I'm just a messed up kid, with sewn up lips. I can't take this shit. I need to exist. While Youngblood's music is usually upbeat instrumentals that hide the darker lyrics, this song is more slow and depressive as he puts the listener in his shoes from that moment in time. Youngblood said that the song also related to his time being bullied, and funnily enough, those same bullies would end up in the crowd at his shows down the track, with Dom stating, To be on the stage and see all the geezers who used to bully me, or used to fucking hate me, I was like, hello, how's it going? To see some of the lads who used to put me in a locker for wearing eyeliner is like, that's the best. If people hurt, if they bring you down, just love. Just be kind and nice. That's what casual sabotage is all about. Keep your heart on a plate. Next up was Hope for the Underrated Youth and is an anthem for the younger generation standing up for what they believe in and fighting against the older generation, attempting to bring them down with their outdated views and ideologies. The song would do well in Belgium once again and became a huge fan favourite live that provides his fans with a bit of hope for a better future. 
Youngblood even organised to have the song title projected onto the House of Parliament in England as a message of hope for the youth. The final track on the EP is titled Waiting on the Weekend and was written at the age of 17 with Shane Gilliver, who was the man who taught Youngblood how to play properly on guitar while at his father's guitar shop. Shane also was there to tell Youngblood to take a leap in his career to follow music and told him to quit Disney by saying to Youngblood, Screw what's going on around you, you write what you want to write and you sing what you want to sing. During November 2019, Youngblood teamed with musician Black Bear and DJ Marshmello for the track Tongue Tied, which peaked at number 3 on the US rock and alternative chart and number 12 in New Zealand. The song explores mental health and the youthful generations being silenced by their elders. With Youngblood's latest EP and singles being quite popular and receiving airtime on radio across the world, he started building more of an audience, landing him loads of interviews and YouTube segments where fans got to learn more about the funny, cheeky and witty Youngblood. In early 2020, Youngblood took home the MTV Push Award as an artist to watch and the same award on the MTV Europe award show. Once again Youngblood toured, but this time with Noel Gallagher's daughter Anias joining him, sparking rumours the two were dating, but Youngblood made it known that this wasn't the case and they were just close friends. But further shows booked in Asia, Australia and New Zealand were cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic, forcing many countries to lock down their borders. Due to these lockdowns, especially the one in the UK in March 2020, Youngblood organised a live show on YouTube for his fans to entertain them while in lockdown, with humour, a bit of trivia, fan Q&As, and interviews with guests like Bella Fawn, Machine Gun Kelly, Youngblood's best maiden photographer, Tom Pallant, and a wacky cooking segment with Oliver Tree. On the 20th of May 2020, Youngblood with Halsey and Machine Gun Kelly took to the streets of California over five days to support Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd protests. That day, Halsey and Youngblood were both equipped with first aid to help those injured by non-lethal rubber bullets. Youngblood praised Halsey for being brave, selfless and fearless in helping others medically, and Halsey praised Youngblood when she was quoted as saying, exposed in front of rounds being shot, to drag wounded people to safety without even thinking twice. In August 2020, Youngblood teamed with American rapper Denzel Curry to release a standalone track titled Lemonade, and in September, he teamed with British rock band Bring Me The Horizon and their lead singer Oliver Sykes for a track called Obey. Obey managed to do well in the UK, making it to number one on the UK rock chart and the top 40 in the UK, Scotland and New Zealand. Youngblood grew up close to Sheffield, where Bring Me The Horizon originated from, and the track was written during the COVID-19 pandemic. The song explored the oppression people feel due to the world leaders and politicians forcing us to act like robots and obey their every order, even when they don't always know what's best for us anyway and are often inconsistent. The song also attempts to delve into how we as humans have become so desensitised to thinking for ourselves and we need to wake up to what's happening to us all as we continue to be brainwashed. Throughout 2020, Youngblood dropped a number of singles from his second studio album that he had been working on since 2019. On the 4th of December 2020, Youngblood released the album titled Weird. It became his most successful album release yet, grabbing his first number one album in the UK and charting at number six in Australia and 10 on the US top rock album chart. Once again, Youngblood would write every song on his album, remaining completely original, and he saw this album as a new era and a massive new chapter in his career, 
like a rebirth that stemmed from his performance at Reading. When speaking to People.com, Youngblood explained why he wrote this album and what it meant to him, stating, It's an album for the weirdest years of our lives. It's an album about gender and sexuality and drugs and love and heartbreak and depression and anxiety. And is there a way out? Yeah, there fucking is. And it can get better, no matter how dark it may get. I know that firsthand. I've met every single kid from every single continent, of every single shape, of every single size, of every single colour, every single sexuality, and I've heard their stories, and this album is about the stories and what it meant to my life. I think the first record, 21st Century Liability, was so fucking angry, and it was me being fucking naive, and downtrodden, and throwing everything I had, going, is there fucking anyone out there like me? Because if there's not, I'm fucking done with this world. And it turned out there was a lot of people out there like me. I wanted to create an album about life that tells the truth, because the world is just so full of bullshit right now, and it's so full of conformity. I care about the fucking 35 year old man who didn't want to take his own life anymore because he saw a fucking way out. Or a young transgender girl in Maryland who was having a hard time because people didn't think she was real until she brought her parents to a young blood show and her parents saw the sheer passion. They accepted her as their daughter because they understood that it wasn't a phase, it was a fucking way of life. The album artwork for Weird depicted Youngblood dressed as seven different characters to represent both his own personas and his fans to stand up for all the misfits. Included on the album was some of Youngblood's most brave and bold work yet as he told the story of many of his fans and their experiences. Kicking the album off was the track Teresa which Youngblood wrote as a tribute to one of his female fans that contacted him via his Instagram DMs and expressed how his music and the loving community fanbase he has created has helped her get through the grief of her boyfriend passing away. When speaking about the writing and recording process behind the song, Youngblood told Apple Music that, quote, I was in the studio and remembered that a girl told me about her boyfriend passing away. They had come to the shows together. I wanted to write a song about this girl and her boyfriend being on the other side, watching over her. But there was also a resemblance between me and my fanbase that no matter what happens to us, we're always looking out for each other. I wanted this song to start soft, and then be like, bang, the album's off. It has four tempo changes, the middle eight is like the Beatles, and then it sounds like Queen at the end. Teresa definitely started the album off with a bang, and was followed by arguably the album's catchiest track, titled Cotton Candy. Featuring a great bass line, and a simple flowing beat, Youngblood delivers a great line that reads, I want to get stuck between your teeth, like cotton candy, so you'll remember me darling. The song explores sexuality and sexual liberation, as Youngblood now identifies as pansexual, and despite having multiple sexual relationships, Youngblood in this instance finds himself getting lost in just one particular person, as he was quoted as saying, Sex and sexuality is about freedom and the idea that you too can lose yourself in other people of all genders, of all shapes and sizes, to find yourself and figure out who you truly are. The music video sees Youngblood exploring this notion and sees him dressed in a women's tennis outfit with angel wings and a barbed wire crown, testing the boundaries once again. Despite becoming a minor hit in Belgium and receiving plenty of airtime on radio around the world, the song remains another underrated gem in Youngblood's catalogue of songs.
Next up on the album is the British punk rock tune Strawberry Lipstick, which sees Youngblood with a mouthful of strawberries, spiky red dyed hair, a spiky necklace, chains, pink socks, and a Union Jack design dress in the music video rocking out to one of his heaviest songs yet. When teasing the song's release along with the new album, Youngblood was seen in a video dressed this way, burning the straitjacket worn in 21st century liability, suggesting an end to that era and welcoming a new one. Like the track Obey, Strawberry Lipstick explores oppression and how love can become easily exploitable. On the track Mars, Youngblood once again returned to his best form of songwriting when telling the story of another. Mars was written about Youngblood's experience with meeting a transgender woman in 2018 that was struggling with her parents accepting who she was. Youngblood was quoted as saying, I remember on Van's Warp tour, it was kinda crazy. I remember this one girl came up to me and she said that she had a sex change. She was formerly a boy and that my music helped her get through that and that it was okay to be herself. And that was fucking crazy for me. And I can tell you that there's a song on the new album about her and how inspiring it was to kind of help someone like that. It's fucking crazy that our community helps someone feel like they could be themselves and take a huge step and achieve their goal of wanting to be themselves. He continued on in another interview by stating, her parents didn't want her to, or didn't have any desire to accept her, or accept the idea that she had never been their son, she'd in fact been their daughter, and that she was their daughter and always had been. She said that it got to a point where her dad was like, you have a fucking dick, you're not a girl, you're a boy, and it was eating her up because her mum and dad didn't understand. School was hard, she was like if I can get my parents to this show, it might change something. She saved up and her parents came. They saw the kids and other kids like her and everyone just uplifting each other for being who they were. And she said they took her for a burger afterwards and they accepted her for what she wanted to do. And they accepted her as their daughter. They realized that it wasn't a phase, that their daughter wasn't a freak or a nutcase or needed locking up in a psychiatric ward. It was insane to think that something we did changed someone's existence. I wanted the song to be this piece of no matter who you are, if you feel like you're living on another planet, there's oxygen there. The song Super Dead Friends was a track that Youngblood wrote when trying to think of an opener for the Reading Music Festival. The high energy track compares to Youngblood's earlier work mixed with an influence of the Beastie Boys. One of the most underrated tracks on the album is titled Love Song and is a mellow but deep track that explores Youngblood's experiences with love and learning how to love growing up with a mixed conception of what it all meant. It's a beautiful but sad track about observing the way his parents loved over the years in an abusive and at times violent relationship and growing up watching this behaviour only made him think that love was supposed to be this way. That was until he met Halsey who changed his mind about love and what it all meant. He promises that he won't let Halsey down in what is one of Youngblood's most heartfelt and perhaps only love songs to date. As Youngblood delivers the brilliant lines, All I learned growing up was that love chewed me up spit me out on the pavement, next to the cuts and the blood that my mum and dad would always take out on each other. Youngblood then sings about protecting his sisters from this also, and then continues to sing to Halsey with the lines, Sweetheart, you are changing my mind. Nobody taught me how to love myself, so how can I love somebody else? There ain't no excuses. I swear that I'm doing my best. I won't let you down. Due to her past failed relationships involving partners being unfaithful, he vowed not to let her down, which he also fulfilled, with the two remaining close friends after their split, and Halsey believing Youngblood also taught her what being loved really meant. 
Track 7 on the album features an inspiring anthem called God Save Me But Don't Drown Me Out. Described by Youngblood as the safety pin that holds the album together, in this track Youngblood explores the importance of just being yourself, not letting the bullies or haters get you down because it's not worth dwelling or wasting your life over, because being yourself is the only thing that matters. The music video directed by Youngblood himself perfectly depicts the struggles he endured growing up in regards to his parents arguing often, having a skewed sense of what love meant, being bullied for looking or seeming different, and dealing with severe crippling anxiety that required medication and often held him back. The album title track Weird was written by Youngblood about where he was in life when thinking of the concept for the album. While his career was looking on the up, Youngblood wrote about the trappings of fame and how quickly everything had changed, and how some things outside of music weren't going as well, as he stated in a press release, I wrote the song about the weirdest time in my life ever imagined. I felt like the ground beneath me was a maze that was shape-shifting, and I felt like I was going to fall down the cracks, and in my opinion, the world feels exactly like that right now. I wanted this song to make everyone feel that everything was going to be alright, no matter how weird things get. Speaking with Clash magazine, he said, So much shit happened. Everything was weird. Weird, weird, weird. Kept going through my brain. I nearly lost my mum in a car accident. I was in a relationship and my heart broke. We got fucking really big, really quickly. Suddenly you wake up one day, you go for a run, and there's a fucking guy following you around with a fucking camera. When speaking to NME about the style and meaning behind the song, he said, I was going for an LCD sound system and Depeche Mode thing. I wanted a naivety to the song because this is a coming of age record. The past 18 months were so weird for me. Other tracks from the album include It's Quiet in Beverly Hills and speaks about the phonies in the industry and how Youngblood often found himself surrounded by the wrong people who were just worried about their position on the charts and that they weren't really friends. Freak Show was Youngblood's service to himself. After delivering an album for the fans, he decided to tackle his own version of Bohemian Rhapsody that includes five different sections, but also refers to Youngblood sticking by his fans. While Ice Cream Man speaks of Youngblood's hometown of Doncaster in a tongue-in-cheek way, reminding everyone that he is very British and will never forget it, and how in those small towns, everyone could easily be cousins. While the final track that became a top 20 hit in Belgium and New Zealand was titled Acting Like That and featured Machine Gun Kelly once again. The high energy track was written the day after Youngblood and Kelly ventured out to have a beer after their good friend Juice World passed away in hopes that it would lift them up. They were quite sad before Youngblood said, you're way too cool to be acting like that. And then it clicked. They wrote and recorded it the very next day. The pair would collaborate once again in 2021 for Machine Gun Kelly's song Body Bag, which was inspired by the song by Panic at the Disco called Dance Dance. Just recently in March 2021, Youngblood teamed with KSI and Polo G for the song Patience, which has since reached the top five in New Zealand, the UK, around Europe, and on some US alternative charts. Youngblood has since announced that he plans to tour Australia in 2021, with more shows likely around the world when restrictions ease. He featured on the tribute show for David Bowie called A Bowie Celebration, just for one day, where he covered the song Life on Mars, which then went on to be used by NASA for their Perseverance rover landing on Mars. In the meantime, he has already been working on a third studio album that he says is near completion, with the title name being suggested as YB3. Production began on New Year's Eve, so new music is expected in 2021. At just the age of 23, 
Dominic Harrison, aka Youngblood, has already displayed just how much potential he has with his genre-fusing style of hip-hop, pop, and alternative punk rock. His crazed punk rocker look, his mature and protest-like songwriting ability, and hilarious and infectious personality mixed with his high-energy performances, utilizing his ADHD as his superpower, makes for the perfect mixture for a star of the future. Despite experiencing many ups and downs in his life, and still being so young, he has had such an incredible career already. Youngblood's music is incredibly mature, and he isn't afraid to test boundaries regarding politics, equality, sexuality, and even anxiety, depression, and suicide. This young man is here for a reason. He is only just getting started, and after much experimenting to figure out exactly who he is, he now stands for what he believes in, and has bright hopes for the future. Who knows, perhaps he is set to restructure the music industry as we know it, reviving punk rock music and continuing to give a voice to the misfits and a generation begging to be heard.